All right, so I want to talk about motives and reward today. And, um, uh, and I have uh, underneath there, paying attention to your secret life with the Lord. And it turns out in this upside-down kingdom where serving and uh, loving is the highest priority and the highest value, and Jesus brought all these values of sacrificing and, and, and uh, love and obedience and these things at the top of the list, you know, moral values, values that are just not moral but just coming from the heart of God. And it turns out that God has ways. And paying attention to your secret life, the way God does things in secret, is incredibly important. It's actually a secret to provision. It's actually a secret to walking with God. Sometimes we don't do some of those secret things that nobody sees because we just wonder, well, that's not going to do any good. Or maybe we look at someone that's so good at that, they think, well, I'll never be able to live up to that. Listen, this is an equal opportunity employer. (laughs) You don't have to be an expert to do things in secret with God. As a matter of fact, he's more than gracious. By the way, he has the power to hear the littlest whisper, the littlest thing that you say to him. He's listening. He's, this is presupposing a God that's intently interested in your life inside and out, your inside and your outside, right? So as we look at the way the kingdom works, we find out that even on this issue of reward, how many would like to be rewarded today? Well, about half of you. The other half don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so that means do good. Have blessing. How about that? How many would like to have blessing? You name the blessing, right? Your kid's doing well. Your family's doing well. Got plenty of money. You love the job you do. You just keep listing them, right? Hearing God's voice, the peace of God in you, just uh, healing in your body. Oh, my. So that's what we mean by reward. And you just fill in your own blank for reward, right? But they're attached to motives because while the Lord is rewarding you because of your uh, love toward Him and because of your unique position with Him as a son or a daughter, He's also molding you on the inside. So the Lord dwells with us on the inside of us. He pays attention because he's shaping us from the inside out so that on the inside we do well with him in our secret motives and the secret ways that we act and secret things we say and even our secret life with him and then that causes outward fruit. So it's the inside out kingdom that we're talking about. And that can be very, very tricky because uh, there are some countries in the world... uh, that I'm very well well aware of, having traveled those places, that are very much more attuned to your inner life and uh, how that causes outward things, you know. So they're more of a meditative culture, a prayer culture. So when we bring prayer in and how Jesus does it, they they just flow with it. That's Many Asian cultures are like that. So when they get saved and we teach them about prayer, they're very, very good prayer warriors They because they're used to understanding this inside-out concept and uh, and the hidden things that they do and so on. So not all cultures, but many cultures, especially in Asia, are like that. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 6. And let's just, this, what I'm going to just give you is how the kingdom or how God works, how you interface with God, how you receive reward, how you please Him, how you worship Him, and the things that are important to the Lord. And there won't be all the things, obviously, but as you see, as we read through this, you'll, you'll see how, how uh, amazingly... Uh, um, important this is to God. And if it's important to God, it's important to me and, and it's important to my family, right? So Matthew 6, verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. That's good advice. 
If you do, you'll have no reward from your heaven, Father in heaven. Ooh, I think I'll escape that one. Oh, yikes. It's amazing how many people do that anyway. I don't know. They just sort of get it drift into that territory. So you want to be extra careful, right? So then when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by them. They actually, if I remember my remember properly, actually at the temple they had this place where you put your coins in. And obviously when you threw the coins in, they made a louder noise if you had more coins, right? So I guess they would just turn around and just hurl it like a pitcher or something, you know, so everybody knew, boom, 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 wow, that guy gave a lot, right? So Jesus was addressing that he saw it and he didn't like it. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Look at me, that's all the reward you get, right? But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So God's very much an inside-out God. And so this secret inside life is so critical to walking with the Lord. And also, once you learn how to do this, and I'm not saying I've fully learned, but once you get the hang of it, you kind of go, hmm, okay, so that's the way things work. As you begin, God, see God do more things on the outward side, right? Like, for example, here's son, God gives grace to the humble, right? So humble heart gets grace. And those sort of things. And the more you begin to see how things really work, the more you're really happy to embrace. So this is one of the best good news services I could, I mean, the sermons I could actually give you. Just this line right here. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I don't know about you, but I, I like reward. I do. What do you mean by reward? Well, I mean finance. Whatever is good. Whatever is good to you, right? Whatever is a blessing. And there's a full range of those in God's book. Matter of fact, that's one reason why you should read the book, to find out how many rewards there really are, right? And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, uh, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And you, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Now, this is little, there's a little translation here. So when you go to other countries of the world, they have prayer, prayer overt prayer, shiny prayer down to a practice. I mean, like I mean, you watch them in front of these idols and stuff. Man, I'm telling you what. Talk about babbling. On and on. And the more they babble. And so there's a historical context to this in other religions of the world, man. And, you know, all these things and making big shows. And actually, not the least of which is in Jesus' time were those Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious of their, you know, rulers of the day. So he so said, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. You know, babbling also has to do with this. It's, for example, in Bhutan, uh, countries in Tibet, some of those regions. It's so funny because uh, there will be uh, these monks and these uh, holy men that will actually go every six steps and fall on their face, go six steps and fall on their face, go six steps and fall on their face. Endless repetition, endless mantras. I can hear it in my brain. It'll drive you crazy, especially if you're in a hotel room next to one of those things. It's, oh, man, it's horrible. Don't babble. And we have our own version of babbling here, right? We have our own version, believe me. Isn't it interesting? Babylon, babble on, right? 
right? I just thought of that. Okay. For they think they'll be heard because of their many words, and man, do they have lots of words. And they actually repeat them over and over and over again in many cultures of the world, just the same sentence over and over and over again. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Then why do I'm asking for? I'm not sure, honestly. I think part of it has to do with this wondrous cooperation, this wondrous tandem, this wondrous invitation God has in walking with us. He likes to, us to He likes to hear us say it. Sort of like we want our children to work with. Do you want? And even we teach them how to ask, and then we ask them, teach them how to ask properly. You know, not demand. Once they get the hang of that, and then we teach them to say thank you. Well, that's all built into kingdom protocol as well. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. This then is how you should pray. And so he gives us this wonderful prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Notice how worship's at the beginning of that. Hallowed be your name. That's what we just did. We just did a bunch of hallowing God's name. And uh, there's such a protocol to this and such a glory in it because when we hallow and praise God's name, things come back to us, right? We get, in other words, heaven's attention. There's just something about that. That's why I love to worship so much when I pray. When I pray and worship, it, worship unlocks for me intercession. So that's why I like to, you know, even if you just have a favorite uh, CD you listen to, listen to it, you know, and especially if it has a little flow to it, just listen to it and then pray off of that. I do that all the time. It's so powerful. It's one of the most effective ways we've found to pray. Do it with music. Worship the Lord and then pray. God will give you even more an anointing. By anointing, I mean insight at how to pray. So that's the first line. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We declare God's authority on earth as it's done in heaven, right? And uh, by the way, heaven doesn't have any sickness. Heaven has lots of really good stuff. So we're actually asking to bring the environment of God down to us. Give us today our daily bread. I like that one. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. So there's a little line there. Lord, forgive us of our mistakes but we also forgive those that have sinned against us. And lead us not in temptation. That's a really powerful one. And I hope you learned that one. That one's a big one. Because before the day, Lord, lead me away. What it means is lead me from testing. Lead me out. Just keep me out of trouble, in other words. Lead me out of these difficult spaces. Not only temp- tempting me to sin, but out of testing where evil comes or trouble comes and it, it attempts me to make the wrong response, right? Or to even be attacked. I love that part of the Lord's Prayer. But deliver us from the evil one. Now, then he changes gears. Very interesting. Because, listen, deliver us from the evil one. And then there's a change. And this is really important. Deliver us from the devil. Now, here. Here's one way to be delivered from the devil. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins, especially their sins against you, right? Wow. That's where the cost of price of admission. We didn't call it, charge any admission, but I mean, uh, it's the, this is the price of comfort. I mean, just knowing that, reminding yourself of that, remembering that. Wow. So much trouble is avoided by forgiving people. So Jesus forgave you. He laid his life down because of your sin, and shed blood for it, and forgave you just by saying. All we have to do is approach the Lord and say, I did it, I'm sorry, and we're forgiven. So we need to be the same gracious people to others, but this is an internal value, and 
And so how many of you forgiven others but like gritting your teeth? So I didn't say that it wouldn't take a little process. I'm not saying that I like just dance into forgiving somebody that slapped me around and did something wrong, right? But nevertheless, whenever that happens, I start the process. I start moving toward I can't hang on to this. And then sometimes it takes me a little while to process and to get on the other side of it till I'm clear, right? And hopefully, as you grow older in the Lord, that, grows, that time grows shorter and shorter because the one thing you cannot have in your life is bitterness and unforgiveness. It's like hunting to bees. It's, if the bees represent the devil, oh, there's some more honey. I think I'll come and swarm around that, right? And we have enough problems without causing. So your secret life with the Lord, He's trying to tell you what's going on inside of here counts. And He's looking on the inside of you. And many things that are happening on the inside of us affect what goes on the outside of us. Even the act of prayer is that. Praying in secret is that. It's not a showy thing. It it manipulates the environment. Because of what Jesus did for us, we live in an inside-out kingdom. And because we use Jesus' name in from the inside in our quiet place, even agreeing with another person, but not making a big show, but asking God, God hears this inside, the cries of our heart, and it's just such a great thing. But at the same time, we can get real religious and, 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 and really start living for the outside and the show, and that's a really weird thing to do. Thank God. One thing I pr- appreciate about California is uh, we, were, we have less religious demons in this place. We have a lot of demons, but less religious ones in our, in our area, which is good. I live in other parts of the country, and uh, they have relig- lots of religious crazy stuff going on, right? But we have less of that. We got lots of sin around here, but at least it's not all religious sin, right? It's not covering things. So it's just out there, bleh, you know, like, you know. So there's some advantages to bleh, uh, because at least we know where you stand. We at least know where you're at, right? At least we're really honest, right? If we come to the Lord, we're going to be really honest about it, right? Yeah, I've been sometimes getting these times of confession, you know, with people, and like I'm like withering from embarrassment. I mean, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm glad you said that. And that's going to really help you. But man, I've got to cope with this now, right? <laughs> I'm not even sure why I'm bringing all this up. But anyway, let's go. <clears throat> so let's go on to 16, 17, 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Oh my gosh, do not go to all the pain of doing without food and then being religious about it and demonstrating it and parading it around. Oh my gosh, you just got your reward in full. That's not much of a reward. All right. But when you fast, but see, the thing is, fasting and praying together are some of those powerful things you can do about any situation you're in. But when you fast, put oil in your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And their father sees what is done in secret will reward you. And this is just really the father who sees in secret, the thing that he, he does things in secret, right? And then they manifest. It's like seed time and harvest. You bury the seed. You don't see what you buried till a little while later, and then it comes up, right? So this is such an important principle in our whole life walking with God. So if you look on your outline, we'll just go through a few things. Our motives are at the heart of our relationship with Jesus, there's reward in engaging God's heart. It says in verse Matthew 6, 1, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So the Father in heaven takes great pleasure in looking at the secret place, that humble place. God gives grace to the humble. But 
Okay, so that's a warning, but it's also, it's an opportunity. Do you see the amazing opportunity here to get blessed by God, to walk with God? If you just know how He thinks, and you know that He's paying attention to your secret life, your thought life, what's going on on the inside of you, and that results in outward reward, things that you see outwardly. This is the great mystery of prayer, which I'll get to in a second. It's why people uh, in our culture, we... we aren't as prayerful as other cultures. We, we haven't made the connection as well. So granted, some cultures make that connection so much that they go the wrong direction with it, you know, and endless chanting and endless performance, you know. But they got the idea that something invisible causes something visible. They just sort of do it in the wrong way, right? And anyway, we're a little bit farther behind the curve. We don't understand how powerful our inside-out life is, especially with regard to prayer and forgiveness and these issues, right? So our motives are at the heart of our relationship with Jesus. Be careful not to practice your righteousness. So if you do it, don't do it so that everybody knows, right? And so far as it's dependent on you. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Could I just emphasize, will reward you? Will reward you. What's reward? I mean, you fill in the blank. What would you like to see in your life? He will reward you. He, he understands the way you tick. Gosh, he doesn't wake up and say, man, I didn't know that Mike liked to do that. That's so shocking to me. Did you see that, Peter? <laughs> I didn't know he liked that. Hey, Jesus, did you see that? I didn't, I didn't know that. No, he knows what you like. He knows how he made you and shapes you. What even makes you, turns you on on the inside, you know, and, and makes your heart beat. What, what you love to see. Part of it has to do with what you like, what you're rewarded with is what you're gifted at, Right? And then there's these outward giftings as well, money and all the other things that come with God, right? All right. So let's read uh, verses 5 to 8 here. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Now, this is good in a way. We're going to escape this one a little bit because uh, this is something that we'll see in other cultures, especially around the world. I mean, for example, the Muslim culture, the you know endless thing and all of that. We have our share of it and other uh, uh, parts of religion. But, but like I said, I think that uh, here in California, we're a little bit safer for this one. But still, nevertheless, people sometimes uh, have prayer as their ministry. And they think about it a lot. I mean, they actually go that direction. And so sometimes you can get into this place. But this key thing is it's an opportunity it's such a great, I can pray while I'm walking down the road. I can pray in this quiet, secret place. I don't have to be in a special place. I don't have to be in a special church. I don't have to hold my mouth this right. I can just do this wherever I am, you know. One of my favorites was like when I was young, I learned this. Man, when I began to come to, come to Jesus uh, really powerfully when I was 13 or 14, I began to read the Bible, but then I got baptized in the Spirit when I was like 16, and then I really began to read the Bible, and just like as a new believer and being baptized with the Spirit and reading through the Scriptures, man, I thought to myself, this is amazing stuff here, man. So my, I had all these desires as a kid, you know. One of them was I want to score as many points as possible in basketball games. So, man, I learned when I got my prayer language, that was amazing. So I pray in tongues while I would while I'd pray, you know. 
you know, we had a huge Hispanic culture where I lived, so they thought, they actually, they didn't know what I was speaking, you know. They'd all be speaking Spanish. We'd know what they were going to do. And, hey, over here, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever. But I started speaking in tongues, completely fooled them, right? And it was secret. Nobody knew what I was doing. You know? They thought maybe I was from, you know, Kazakhstan or something. I don't know, but I don't know why I'm saying all this. But anyway, I began as a young person to take advantage of this secret place. And I began to pray for things. Oh, man, when I got the hang of it, wow. Man, one time I got this grade. You know, I didn't like that grade that I got. And I prayed for two full years that somehow that would be a race. I had no idea how it would, right? And through a series of bizarre circumstances, I got the grade changed and turned simply by, I can't go into the detail of it, but just stuff like that. And as I began to see things like that, I just, I began to see things, you know, just in my everyday life. And God would start with those everyday miracles and stuff, right? So this secret place of praying is powerful, but we don't want to do it overtly in a way that we're showing off or that we're like showing how spiritual we are or whatever. But it's great too because we can pray quietly. We know we're heard, right? We don't have to make huge noises to jump over tall buildings in a single bound, right? But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father will see what is done in secret and will reward you. Oh, I just could, if I could just emphasize to you, just there's so much reward to be had if you could just believe these passages. Just believe them. And then when you pray together, and two or three agree, there's even more. If we realize how much reward, how much blessing, and then also about your life, how much God's interested in. How much God's interested in your life. That's another thing. We just don't think He's interested in the things we're interested in. Everything that has to do with your life. Jobs and school and children. Oh my goodness. When you get the hang of this, it's just some of the most beautiful things and you realize that what I say in secret affects my outside world. And whenever that happens once or twice or three times, you begin to go, whoa, this is really, really good. I think I'll pray a little bit more, you know, and then I track them. So one thing I do is whenever I pray something, I always track it. I'm looking and reminding myself of what I prayed. Sometimes we just pray and forget, pray and forget, pray and forget. Don't do that. Like, be like a hen on the eggs, you know, just sit on your eggs of prayer, secretly, quietly. I'm, I'm contending for this, I'm contending. And they'll eventually hatch. And when they do, well, I tell you what, you will never look back. Once you get the hang of this, you will never look back. You'll pray about everything, every little thing in your life. And I mean every little thing. I'm such a big baby, I pray about everything. I really do. I mean, I mean really, I, I, I have a tendency to, like, be a perfectionist, you know, want everything good, you know, and everything. So I just pray over everything, right? And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Wow. He knows what you need before you ask Him. And the intent there is He not only knows what you need, but He's already poised to help you, right? And sometimes you'll ask for something, and He'll give you what you're really asking, because you don't even know really exactly what to ask. Then you answer it in that way and you go, how many of you ever had that happen? You prayed about something, prayed about something, and then God answered, but it wasn't exactly the way you thought, but then you found out, hey, I'm sure glad you did that because, boy, if you would answer the way I thought, it would have been not so good, right? And the more you pray, the more you'll figure that out. You'll more, you, so you learn to trust God. So this part of He knows what you need before you ask Him, He not only knows in advance, but He follows your request and He knows what you're getting at, even though you might not know exactly. How many of you ever... I wanted to pray, but you didn't know exactly how to pray for the thing you're praying for. Anybody ever had that experience? Three or four of you? Okay. No, how many have had that experience? You know, you want to pray, but you don't know exactly what to say, right? 
Well, he already needs. No, so just get it out, and then the Lord will help you with the rest, right? And he may not even pray for it perfectly, but then he'll answer it. you go, oh, yeah, that's what I really want. That's even better. Is he that good? Could God actually be that good? He's that good. Oh, notice the word, motives and, remember, reward. Put that, underline that one, reward, right? Because your secret life in the Lord God delights to work with you in that place. Grow you up and grow you in character. And grow you up and show you what he likes, what he doesn't like. Prayer disciples us. It moves us along. It shows us what God's like. And he shapes us this way to look like him, right? All right. Now, let's read these next uh, few verses here. Um, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? Very powerful. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whew! That's a big one. It does not pay in the secret world where God rewards, God blesses, where all blessing comes from to hold grudges, to hold evil against anyone. And I mean, that can sometimes be a tall order because in our culture today, there's some grievous sins. One of the first things I notice as pastoring is how grievous the world can be and how bad people can be toward one another, how absolutely evil, how horrible. And sometimes it's those closest to us that stab us in the back, right? But this is amazing. This is it. What activates us is freely forgiving others. It activates everything. So that's that last part of the prayer. Forgive us as debts that we've also forgiven our debtors. In other words, those that have sinned against us. Deliver us from evil. One of the greatest ways you can be delivered from de- evil is just let other people off the hook. And that is so much easier said than done. But make it your habit. Don't hold a grudge. Whatever you do. And if you're holding one, and rightfully so, and everybody's saying so, just say, God, help me because I just can't. I hate that person. (laughs) I said it. Right. Everybody's looking, who, me? No, I would never do that. Oh, yeah, really? (laughs) And then you put them all, like, you know, if it stinks, it stinks. Put a little perfume, religious perfume around it. Sometimes I'll be counseling people, and they're putting all this perfume around it, but the bottom line is they hate their husband. They hate their wife. They hate them. So I'll look at them and say, you know, why do you hate your wife so much? Oh, I don't hate my wife. <laughs> and we start unpacking it, and that's where it's gone to, right? Sometimes we confuse ourselves, right? Just honest to say, yeah, I really do not like this person at this moment. You know, maybe... Maybe I'll get over it, but I really don't like it. And I tell you what, it helps you a lot just to be honest. And God's, you know, God can handle it. Yeah, I did it. That's why. And God, did you hear what he said? I can't believe they said that. You know, and the angel's going, whoa, whispering. Wow, did he hear what he said? Or, no. All of heaven knows already. You're already exposed. Sorry. Everybody knows, right? So just agree with God. You know what? Then you get forgiven. But then the process starts of actually fixing the problem right? So, look at E there. Without forgiveness, we end up paying instead of receiving, right? Instead of receiving something and a reward from the Father, we actually end up paying, right? Look at Matthew chapter 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter said to Jesus, 
and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And he's thinking, I'm, I'm pretty good. Up to seven times? That would be, you know, he's thinking he's going to really stretch this thing, right? Think about Middle Eastern culture. It's very interesting. That's one thing I learned, uh, you know, just about Middle Eastern culture a little bit. Um, they don't do well uh, with uh, releasing grudges. <laughs> if you notice that, uh, now all people of the world are like that, but I just got to say, I've noticed <laughs> I mean, there's grudges that have been going on for hundreds and thousands of years over there, right? And it's difficult. This is so powerful. And so Peter's he's like even boys. Man, if I forget seven times, well, that would be amazing. Up to seven, it's probably somewhere around seven's the mark, right? <laughs> Jesus says, and this must have been a real depressing low moment. <laughs> I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. What? <laughs> this upside-down kingdom. This is crazy. This is crazy talk. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. Then he then he goes. Then he goes, not only does Jesus say this, but so this is such a critical part of our prayer life. So he gives all these verses, not only just says that, which has been enough, but then he goes, let me explain. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As it began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything, back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant, and you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Eww. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you when it gets... <clears throat> unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So the thing is, the only way to understand this is to understand the debt that you owe. So Jesus Christ became a man. He suffered and died, shed a bloody death for you so that you could ask for forgiveness for every one of the sins that you sinned and be clean so that you could actually have this access to God and pray and actually go to be with Him forever. So how big that amount is is so important that we understand. That makes us more merciful. That's why some of the ones that have been shown the most mercy in this room are the best forgivers. It's easier for them to show mercy. This is such a big, big deal with God. It's a key to the miraculous. It's a key to all sorts of things. Many answers to prayer are held back because of not forgiving, letting another person off the hook. I can't emphasize this enough. And yet it's so easy to forget we're not really good at the secret place as a culture. We're not good at meditative things, inside-out things, inside environment, right? Uh, other cultures are better at it. We're not that great at it. We're all about the outside and bling and everything. We're not so good. Sometimes that gets into the church. But I'll tell you, man, right here, paying attention to your secret life with the Lord, the, mo the reward you get from prayer is so critical, uh, so critical. 
And so uh, this forgiveness thing is really a big deal. And we see it in the Lord's Prayer, right? He puts it right there. Lord, forgive. let's forgive others, you know, and, and we'll be forgiven. Just that whole Lord's Prayer part, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So there's another interesting thing about this, and it's because of this inside-out thing that God likes so much. It's fasting. It's doing without food or doing without something in a season uh, for the Lord. Now, again, uh, so we have this real problem in this culture. These people really are religious. They really carry grudges, and they really like to be on the outside seen as religious. Now, we are fairly secular culture, so <laughs> some of this we really don't care about, right? I mean, religious? Who cares? You guys are a bunch of idiots. You know, that's the, there's a lot of people think that way, you know. I won't say who, but there's a lot of people that think that way, right? And so we aren't exactly in the same place. Uh, culturally, we have our own problems, right? But I want to read Matthew chapter 6 because we really don't understand, therefore, the inside out life. So fasting seems like such a crazy way, especially when you're newer to the Lord. Fasting. You mean like actually do without food? Wow. I mean, and like when you try that and you have never done it, like one meal is about kill you, you know? You know, I remember when I first started trying that, I'm thinking, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. I miss lunch. It's horrible, right? You know? <laughs> and so you can fast lots of things. Fast doing something in a certain area, but basically he's talking about food, right? But listen to this. They even made it into this religious thing, right? To get this attention, but they were so outward oriented. They were so unsecret about their spiritual lives, so wanting people to see how religious they were that even fasting, it got into their fasting. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. The attention of a religious culture, looking at them saying, oh, how great you are. Now, we have even a hard time figuring that out, you know, like how a person's fasting, how that's like some value or whatever. But in their culture, and sometimes in more religious cultures, sometimes in Christian churches, people get into that space. The spirit of religion is death to Christianity. And it seeps in all kinds of funny forms. And sometimes in the area of the disciplines with regard to prayer and fasting in those situations, a religious spirit will, uh, will, will, will find its way in there. And then while we're going the wrong direction, then the enemy gets a stronghold in that place. It's not only bad, the enemy gets a stronghold. The devil loves religious stuff, right? Have you noticed how many religions there are in the world? He loves religion. And he loves to corrupt Christianity with religious outward forms, Right? So we're talking about secret things here, things done in this secret place that affect the outside. When you fast, not look somber, as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And look at this. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there's reward to actually fasting, doing that without food or doing without something for a while while you're praying. And it's all done in this secret place. And that's part of the power of it. God gives grace to the humble. And so that's part of the power resonant spiritually. It, somehow, these secret place items get heaven's attention. One of the reasons why we spent, have spent, from the very beginning of the church, we made sure that we would be a praying church because I knew the reward of prayer. And so it's so important to us. It's one of our highest values 
is prayer and intercession. You'll hear me get around to it almost every, you know, just ter- I can't hardly get away from it because I've learned, whoa, I think the biggest thing is um, I like things to change. And when I saw what I could do with my inner place to see my outward change and I got a taste of that, I never looked back. It's like I have this secret weapon, you know, and, and people often revert to prayer and fasting as a very last-ditch effort. No, I make it my first-ditch effort, <laughs> especially if I'm going after something. I would rather be moving in the positive direction than always praying out of, praying out of pain, right? Why do we always go to pain and then we pray? Let's go in advance. Let's get ahead of this thing. There's all kinds of good things in the Lord's prayer, Lord. Give us, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts and our sins. Lead us away from temptation. Hey, how about this one? Temptation and devil delivers from evil is the same, very similar. Lead us away from, lead us not into testing. In other words, get into a trying situation or even a place that maybe would make us stumble so we'll get even worse, right? But deliver us from the evil one. Wow, that's a good prayer. How about today? Deliver us from the evil one. You actually can save yourself so much trouble, attacks, ambushes. Our culture is getting more demonized by the day. Have you noticed? Just when you thought you'd seen it all, there's a whole other level of evil exerting itself. Boy, deliver us from the evil one is one of the greatest things you could do in your secret life. Deliver me from evil one. Deliver me from the attacks of the enemy through people, through circumstances, through these traps. Our entire country needs to pray this. We're in one big, huge trap that's about to close on us, right? Deliver us from evil. When the saints are praying that, as long as the saints are praying that, as long as the, the saints have this inner life with the Lord all across the map and every, every group, every, I mean, Catholics, Protestants, whoever, you know, uh, when they're praying and interceding, it causes amazing things to happen in the heavens. And so while we're here and while we are praying, while we understand how this inside-out kingdom works, we're going to be fine. It's just that when you lose your hope, you get so discouraged, you stop these simple things, the simple access to the Lord, even the fasting part and the praying thing, ways that we can change things, that's when things really go south in a hurry. That's why these large convocations can be very, very powerful. I understand, uh, what is this? Uh, what's the date? Tomorrow night, I think there's a Jonathan Kahn's doing something. You heard about that from the Capitol? Anybody read anything about Jonathan Kahn? Right. Who is he? What, did he, what book did he write? Anybody know? Harbinger. And also, I highly recommend you read the rest of what he's written as well. It's quite enlightening. I believe God's called him as a person for our time, actually, interestingly, from the Jewish community to help warn us, to help us understand where we're at, the gravity of our times. But what should that do? What should I do? Oh, man, I want to read the latest book to see how we're going down the toilet next. You know, is that what we should be doing? Sometimes we have like this infatuation with knowledge, right? We read it and go, oh, yeah, man, it's getting worse. You know, Ethel, it's getting worse. Look at this. I knew it. That information did you absolutely no good. It's because what you can do with your secret life with the Lord together and privately can change and alter your entire life and landscape. Use these things as fuel to go to the secret place and to pray. Your prayer, your secret life counts. Jesus is saying that. As a secular culture, or a more secularized culture, maybe not totally, but we have a hard time understanding these things, right? We understand supernatural, we have a hard time understanding things. 
Sometimes, you know, in our business life, in our school life, in our outward life, we have such a hard time connecting what we do in the secret place to ordinary things. That's why my favorite stuff to do is pray for businesses because we just go right in there and we invade those businesses with prayer. Uh, our business prayer meeting is one of the delights of my life. I love to go there because we get these tangible answers. You know, you're praying for this, praying for that, you know, and then it comes and everybody's celebrating and I just keep tab in my heart and my heart grows and grows and grows because the great thing is this, you either made the money or didn't. You either got fired or you didn't, right? You either got hired or you didn't, right? So it's so tangible, but that's why it's so important to, you know, to pray and then keep track. What happens in the secret place has tangible motives I mean, had tangible reward on the outside, right? Getting it? Go like, hey, amen, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. Okay. All right, look at Roman numeral two. How fear hinders reward. How fear hinders reward. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ooh. This is a big one. God will test you on this every time. Where is your treasure? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So he wants your inside to be full of light because that's the point where God deals with you from the inside out. That's where he speaks to you. He looks way down in your motives. He's talking there because he knows from the inside come the outward things. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the other and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, God brought tithing and giving and being kind to the poor as a gift to you, not as a harassment to you, not as a discipline to you, not as fire insurance, as a blessing, right? You can't love God and money at the same time. And when you give, it kind of helps you weaken that little hole inside of you. But more than that, I'll tell you, beyond that, there's such treasure in our walk with the Lord, inside treasure and outside treasure. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can you, any of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life? You can take a few hours off of your life worrying. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I, I, I like that. You know, the beauty that we see around us is done intentionally. God causes the flowers and the plants, but it has a lesson in it. You know, I like beauty. I, 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 this is my kingdom. It's, I clothe my world in splendor. Uh, you know, but when it comes to us, we think, well, we're just, you know, garbage. We're just like on the side of the road. We're, you know, but we're beautiful. We're beautiful. And we're at our highest beauty when we're like him. Just believe him and trust him to take care of you. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. In other words, that's the other side, the dark side. They're running all over the place after these things. 
And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. How many would that be? What all things? What's on your list of all things, right? All things. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care. worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I just want to tell you a secret about all this. I've, I've just learned how gracious God is. And I tell you, I think you have to learn that. He is far more gracious than I thought. All we got to do is first things first. Avoid the darkness. That's point A. Don't have two masters, right? You can only serve one. And that's why giving helps us a little bit. But even you could give religiously. Two masters. My provision comes from the Lord. One of the things that's so important in this time and age when we've had the sickness and the illness, jobs going backwards, you know, all this stuff, you have one master and one provider. His name is Jesus. Even if you got disheveled, even if you got turned back at the gate, even if you had some problems, listen, God's an abundant God. If he shed blood for you, why would he not give you some money that you need? And I tell you what, here's another one. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Uh, that's not the money part. That's only like the inner like beauty part or <clears throat> everything. Abundance. And whatever you do, don't bow down to the abundance. Just give more. You can't outgive God. Get, give, give, give. It's like sea time and harvest. As clear as that, right? Your Father knows what you need. He cares about what you need. That's so important. And I just read this last few verses, 33 and 34 again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Oh, the secret life has so many rewards. When we start learning this, we don't worry so much, and it helps our health. We stop fretting so much. We begin to walk in sync with God. And even when we have to wait a little bit in a time of testing, but the more testing you go through and you get to the other side, the more you do that and you get to the other side, the more you do that and you get to the other side, you know, I don't want to be 80 years old and finally figure out I didn't need to worry about all that stuff for the previous 80 years. This is nuts. Learn it when you're 25. Learn it when you're 20. God will take care of you and learn how to walk with Him. And when you get convinced of it, there's so much peace that comes over your life on the inside. Paying attention to your secret life in the Lord is the critical thing in our walk with God and God gives lots of ways to do that so we'll see another one here in the last point in Roman number 3 Matthew 7 1 to 12 do not judge or you too will be judged now this one's getting a little bit tricky here <laughs> because what he's talking about is uh, sizing people up he's talking about judging them uh, on the outward appearance there's all kinds of things involved. We don't really have too much problem with it. It's a, this is such a critical thing because what we're talking about here is uh, in our culture right now, there's so many evil things, so many uh, unprecedented things. So how to judge your culture, you know, uh, and how to judge what's going on. There's this fine line that we're all walking on. But I tell you what, here's how I know. When a spirit of truth comes to me, the more religious I get about it, uh, and pointing the finger, the more I suspect it, right? So I think what the Lord wants us to do is, even with public figures, register it properly, understand clearly what's going on there, tell the truth, but at the same time, don't let our hearts wander into a place where we can't even see that guy on the TV without utterly despising him or her. I know I'm hitting pretty close to home here, because, boy, I tell you what. 
I've had to get three new TV sets for throwing my shoes and stuff at it <laughs> after watching certain people there tell me the truth or what they say is the truth. So believe me, I am all right with you. You know, these people torment me sometimes. But you know what? I'm thinking to myself, why should I be tormented? This is ridiculous. Why should I be tormented? I know what the answer is. I'm not worshiping a stale God, one that forgot, one that wound up the clock and left us all here for a while. No. You know what judo is? It's taking someone's momentum and turn it into your own. That's the whole thing. Somebody comes in, the whole process of judo is they come at you and then you take that blow and then you turn it into your advantage. This is where we are in the secret place right now. Because here's one thing that always happens, which is really good news for us. The enemy always overplays his hand. He always goes too far. Wicked people always go too far and then they hang themselves. You notice that? Right? So so we don't want to get in the same spirit that they're in, right? And hang ourselves, right? So when we judge, we go, okay, this is the truth. We know it. But we got to be careful about the attitudes we care for. And one of the best ways you can do it is when you see that person you absolutely can't stand, whether a public figure or whatever, start praying for them. Because the devil's hell is worse than, any, worse than anything we could experience on earth. And if they're going there, I think sometimes we just need to have a healthy understanding of not only hell down there, but how horrible it can be for a person who entangles himself continually in evil. Because the devil just doesn't leave them there. You know, he torments. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So when they do evil things, that's what's going on. He's stealing from them, killing them. He's going to destroy them, right? That's what he does. Okay, so this is, helps us then. So when we judge, we have to see things. It doesn't mean we don't tell the truth. It's just that we don't let that. It's actually, to me, it's lots of times how much I linger with it, how much I let it go into me, right? I see that. I get mad at it, throw my shoe at the t TV set, you know, then I'm over it <laughs> or something like that, right? Whatever you do, you don't keep throwing t shoes at the TV set. It gets expensive, by the way. So don't keep doing that, Right? So this fine line is important, but it's important to talk about in church because we live in a time where everybody's making judgments about everything. So we want to fall on the right side of this. The best way we can go is when we feel the compassion of God in us to stay in that space. And then also remember our own self when we've been doing stupid things and give people a break on the inside. Giving people on the break on the inside is one of the most important things you can do. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have to stand up at times. So it's a balance, isn't it? All walking with God's a balance. You have to tell the truth, but don't get into judgment, right? To the place where you wish evil on that person, wish they would just die. Just think of them, okay, I see the truth, but Lord, would you please help them? Would you bring a relative, a friend, someone? Would you just change this? Would you turn hearts? So the most famous people in all of church history, I'm thinking of that guy that uh, wrote Amazing Grace, was Wilbur, what was his name? Somebody tell me, what's his name? Wilbur Wilberforce. You know what I'm talking about. Amazing grace, Alfie. Okay. So that guy was a slave trader. And yet we sing his song. He got converted. He turned around. Right? Also, I just think sometimes we just need to pay attention to our own self a little bit. Humility... God gives grace to it. It's one of those inner things again, right? 
Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. That's enough. Wow. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's one of the most powerful uh, scriptures in the whole Bible. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I think there's a band called Plank Eye, isn't there? (laughs) Is there a band? Am I making that up? Maybe I dreamed it. Anyway, all right. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to move the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give uh, dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet, their feet and tear you to pieces. Ask. Now, it's interesting. After all of that, he says all of that. Then look what he says. What does he follow her up with? That's the key. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. And the verb tenses here in these verses actually are not just ask once, but keep on asking. It's a tense that says keep on asking, keep on doing. So you could translate this more literally. Keep on asking, it'll be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. The one who keeps seeking finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. And I tell you what, I have worn that passage out. I have proved it over and over in my life. From the time I was small to now, I, I'm just persistent. I keep asking and asking and asking and asking because I know what God does with this persistence. And even gave a couple of parables to emphasize that, right? About asking. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, though, you are evil and how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He just wants you to hear him say it. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. And when you stop praying, you lost the value. You don't understand. Like you've, you've forgot the, the code on the, the safe. You forgot the, the combination. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That's interesting. He brings that, right? I'm going to say the verse before again. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, good gifts to those who ask Him? And this is one thing I've discovered about God. He's not chintzy. He loves to give good gifts. you just got to pay attention and understand and, and, and watch your life, and you'll find out how many amazing things God's given to you and how generous He really, really is. When you see life from the generosity side, your life will revolutionize and change. When you begin to recognize the generosity of God, everything changes. Luke 6, 37 and 38. I don't think I have this on your outline. I'm going to read it. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now then, here's the opposite. Notice in the word forgive, there's this other word. Give, and it will be given to you. But how do we give? Secretly. We don't give it to be noticed. We give, but what happens? It will be given to you. And this is, I have proved this scripture and I know many of us have. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. All right, stay out of that condemnation junk. It does me no good. It wastes my time, right? It can get expensive. <laughs> Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Oh, I like good measure. Can we say that again? A, a good measure. Boy, you don't like good measure like I like it, I guess. A good measure. Whoa, do it again. A good Good measure. Okay, now you're getting the hang of it. Pressed down, shaken. He's, he's, now he's emphasizing the thing. Now he's getting serious. Together, 
I, I'm trying to tell you every which way I can tell you about this giving thing. Running over will be poured in your lap for with the measure you, will, you, you use, it will be measured to you in return. You don't have to help the poor, the weak. You don't have to give. You get to give. And out of that secret place comes this amazing stuff. Wow. I'm preaching good here. I like this. All right. Last thing. Roman number 3b, a clearer view of God as our Father is at the root of generosity and asking boldly. A clear view of God as our Father. Now, one of the problems that we have sometimes is that sometimes we didn't have such good fathers. And so that's the power of family. So a good, loving father and mother are models to us. So when we approach God, we have a tendency to carry that to God. I don't know why, but that's what we do. So some of us didn't have a very good father or mother, so we kind of, it's hard for us. And sometimes it carries over into authority figures, even God himself, right? So important. So to dismantle that thing and, and forgive your parents and forgive authority figures and let them off the hook. Just let them off the hook. Just say, uh, you know what, I'm not going to, you don't have to be fancy. So I forgive you, Dad, forgive you, Mom, you know, and I, or whoever it is, and and I'm not going to wait, Lord, for them to make it right. It's okay. It's okay now. And uh, so that's a really good way. And that may be something that God presents where you can actually do it more uh, simply with them. But who knows? But Matthew 7. All right, let's finish here. Matthew 7, 7 to 12. Ask and it will be given to you. <clears throat> Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the door one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And I just say, well, that's a... But even if you ask for something and you didn't quite get it, you know, we have to be discerning sometimes. So it might not be exactly what we thought, but just give it some time. One of the things that with regarding to pray that I learn is learning process, learning to watch my life and watch over my life carefully when I ask for something and watch the way it unfolds, Right? Because your life is an unfolding story. So it may not come in exactly at the time you thought, but you're not done yet, right? So that's why you, you keep asking. And if he asks you, which of your sons asked for bread, we'll give him a stone. So it might look like a stone temporarily, but it'll turn at the right time. It'll turn. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake, right? That's why the verses before are best translated, keep on asking, keep on knocking, don't give up. Yeah, and, and even goes to the heart of the Father. If, he, if you're keeping asking, you keep on knocking, God will give you what you desire. And sometimes what you're asking isn't precisely what you probably really want. Then He'll change that heart in the time, meantime and give you what you really want. Have you ever done that? You ask and ask and ask, and then He gave you something else, but it was actually better than what you're asking. You got an upgrade. So in the kingdom, there's always upgrades, no downgrades, right? There's only an up escalator. <laughs> No down ones. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? That passage, this inside-out context, really means that in your inner person, in this secret life of the Lord, it's so important to settle that God's good, right? That God's a good God. How much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? If your Father in Heaven is not so good or you don't like Him very much, or, and maybe when you see 
the word father, you think of a difficult father. Just get rid of that part, that paradigm. Sometimes that gets in the way. I understand that. But your father in heaven is not any of those. How much more? If you know how to give good gifts, I mean, almost everybody knows how to give good gifts to their kids. It's a joy. And a part of the whole thing is the little kids give them joy and watch them smile and run around the tree and whatever. It's just like great, you know. And sometimes it gets even better as they get older sometimes. And it's just wonderful, right? God gives good gifts. So in everything, do to others what you'd have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets. So he throws that in at the end. So you're connected to your lifestyle, how we evaluate, how we judge others, right? But there is this secret life with the Lord. There is this reward with the Lord that's so important. And the more we learn to live it, the better. We'll pay attention to things that are not visible because things that are invisible make things visible. We draw things out of the invisible to make things visible. Other cultures are better at this. They don't understand the invisible. They understand the invisible world albeit from a demonic side. That means when they get converted, they become great Christians because they understand the internal nature of the way things work. They've prayed down things. They've cursed things. They've seen things. Then when they get converted, they go back and they go, oh, wow. So like Asians, uh, especially those that have been in witchcraft, they make great prayers because they were been accessing the wrong throne. They figure out, well, that wasn't a good thing to do. And they figure out God and they, and they just, they pray and they pray and they pray. And I've, Notice that some cultures are easier. Our culture is, doesn't do this as easily. But this would be a good time to learn, I think. Don't you think? Let's all stand. I challenge you today. I know you guys got to do so many important things right now. I've got an important football game here coming up. But with a message like this, Why don't you pivot if you need to? And no, when we pivot, we don't have to like, like put ourselves on the cross and crucify ourselves, you know. Just say, I did it. I've been, oh man, I did it. Done. Oh, okay, good. Now, pivot. What do you need? What do you need? And in this setting, with this content that I've just given, when the Word of God comes, it always bears fruit, right? So it's like a seed. And so I sowed a seed in your hidden spirit to you to exercise faith toward receiving something. So what better time to pray than now? So I have the band come up if they're anywhere in the neighborhood here. And, uh, but let's just do this for a moment. All right, let's just pause. So don't go digging too deep. Don't go too deep. But if there's something that comes to mind that you need to say, sorry about that, just say sorry about that. I like doing that way. Almighty Father, I've done so much wrong. Would you if, please in your graciousness to be so nice and kind to me? I know I'm but a worm. I know I deserve to crawl and not walk. I know, da 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 blah, 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 blah. And heaven's going, yawning, going, oh my gosh, I hope. Please, come shut him up, man. We got it. Right. No, no, see, the thing is, I did it. Yep, that's me. Uh, sorry, Lord. Now, pivot. Okay, now, God, have mercy on me. Oh, man, a guy's walking along. So, you know, you know, Jesus walking along. This guy's screaming at the top of his lungs, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops. He wasn't going to stop unless the guy screamed out. 
So ask today. Ask boldly. Ask boldly today, all right? All right, so let's do this. Lord, we just ask you to forgive us for stuff. Forgive us being too religious. Forgive us that bad attitude we've been carrying. Forgive us for being faithless and giving up on you. Oh, Lord. We're not going to give up on you, Lord. You're the only one that can help us. And Jesus, thank you for shedding blood for us so I can ask. So I can, from my heart of hearts, just ask you, I can get right. I guarantee you today some of the things that are said in the secret place this hour will happen. And there's this other little addendum to prayer that we found. If two or more agree about anything, it'll be done for them. So there's an extra thing there that also helps in our prayer life. It's just a value we have here and it actually works as well. So what I'd like to do is I'd like some of you that are on my ministry team to come up here in the front. And so some people are going to be praying in their seats, but others of us have learned the value of agreeing in prayer with another person and having them with us. So could I have some of our ministry team up here? And I love the way the atmosphere is working today. We're not going to have a band today. But I can feel the presence of God here. And I know good and well today, things are going to be altered. You might as well write this down in a book somewhere that you came to church on. What is the day today? On the 25th of July. Or what is it? September. Sorry. September. God forgives me for stuff like that. September. September 25th. You should go and write it down in a book if, when you pray here today. No? Some of you need to go, but could you respect the others around you? Because I think what I said actually touched some people. And they're going to take God up on it, and they're not going to wait 10 seconds. They're going to just lift this up. Even I don't care if you prayed for this 50 times. Just come to your Father. Ask Him again. Ask Him thoroughly. And if you like, there's extra prayer partners here, and we found that when we pray for each other, where two or three gather together, there's extra power or authority there. We don't understand exactly how that works. So take advantage of these if you'd like to just come up and receive prayer from someone and just and uh, let them pray with you, all right? And I'm going to make this a house of prayer. So if you leave today, or when you leave, some of you may want to stay one minute, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 minutes, maybe even a half hour. Okay, so if we could just leave this into a great house of prayer, Respect other people praying around you. They might be praying from their seat or praying up here, okay? If you'd like prayer from up here, I'll be up here. We'll be up here and praying and agreeing with you. Either way. So, Lord, I pray as people come to the front or in their own seat there, I pray as they lift their hands and they pray to you, I pray you would hear from heaven and listen to everything we say today. We cast our cares on you. Oh, forgive us for being weak and religious, judgmental. Lord, hear from heaven and answer these prayers. And as we pray together up here for some that just would like to pray with someone about these and get an extra layer of prayer and agreement, Lord, hear what we say. 
If you could respect everyone as they're leaving and just uh, respect them as they go, uh, that would be great. And uh, as they're praying.